We're going to read in Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 43, and look at the cross, the cross. Starting in verse 32, and there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked Christ, coming to Christ and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And the superscription also was written over him in the letters of Greek, In Latin and Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly. For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto him, Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. What a, <laughs> what a scene this is. What a... What a, what a spectacle. Well, the place, as we know of this spectacle, is Jerusalem. <clears throat> the holy city. This is taking place outside the camp or outside the walls to fulfill scripture. The scene is that of three crosses. Three criminals. Three insurrectionists against society. Some soldiers some priests, the Jewish crowd, a gathering to witness an execution, some weeping women, and those who were watching at a distance. If we have ears to hear this morning and eyes to see, I pray that the lessons to us word, there'll be many. There'll be many if we take them to heart, if we take them to ourselves. There's Something of God in this passage. There's something of the Redeemer, of the sinner, of sin, salvation, damnation, heaven. There's some things of earth, of hell. There's something of sin pardoned, sin unpardoned, a soul won, a soul lost, and of Christ received, and of Christ rejected. Let us look at these thoughts and let us glean a few treasures, for these are 
wonderful things to observe. Now I know Spur or not Spurgeon, but I think Pink had his famous the seven sayings of Christ from the cross. Well, I've got there are six things that we will look at here. But they're very um forthcoming, they're very straightforward. And if anybody has eyes to see and ears to hear, the Lord anoints our our hearing as well as my speaking. Hopefully we will glean a few things. The first thing I think we see is man's hatred of God. Man's hatred of God. In every nook and cranny in this text, we behold human enmity, that is hate, towards our blessed Savior. There's malice, there's envy, there's hitting and laughing. Other places and other passages of the scripture in Matthew and Mark and or Matthew and Mark, we see wagging of the head. Unbelief is in full view here. Full view. Is there no uh, is there a spark of love in any of this this deriding, any of this derision, any of this spitting upon him? Any any view, any spark of love. You would think that there would be a spark of love from man. Man's hatred is what we're looking at. No, just smiting, nailing, hollering to put him away, crucify him. That's what we see in this passage. That's what we hear in this passage. Why, the very thought of placing Christ between two thieves indicates or belies the thought that he is the chief criminal. There's a criminal, there's a criminal. But there's the chief criminal. That's what that speaks up to us. He's the supreme offender. Haters of God written on the forehead, on the foreheads of each and every one of, uh, one of them there. And if truth be told, it'd be written on our forehead. If we'd be sitting right there saying crucify him, we'd be right there uh, smacking him, we'd be right there uh, casting lots for his garments, we would be right there because this this the first lesson we see in this awful history of mankind is man's hatred of God. But we also see, secondly, God's love to man. God's love to man. Everything from the sinner's point of view tries to drown and quench this abounding love. Matter of fact, you don't have to turn there, but Songs of Solomon in verse uh, chapter 8 and verse 7 says, Many waters cannot quench love. And he was speaking of the cross. He's speaking of the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. Why, uh, and in Romans, which I'll turn there, you don't have to turn there, but in Romans chapter 5 <clears throat> In verse 20, moreover, the law entered that offense might abound. But where sin abounded, and it's abounding here in the scene on the cross, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so grace reigned through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What patience we see here from the Son of God. What forbearance. What grace. What mercy. Because he says, and I still, this is the passage I was actually going to look at, but I, it's just too deep for me. I, don't, I, can't, I can't comprehend it. Verse 34, then said Jesus, while he's hanging on the cross, while he's being mocked and laughed and belittled by the soldiers, the priests, all these people who are standing around, 
He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, several commentaries, and it's the best that I can tell I agree with, this prayer, Christ's prayer is always answered. Always answered. And we see the answer of this prayer on the day of Pentecost, a few days later, when it's also the preaching, and the Lord, and, and, and commentators that I saw, they said that a lot of the people that were at the scene in Jerusalem were also there at Pentecost, and the Lord saved many. I don't know whether that's how true that is. That seems to be, to me, to be accurate. I don't know about that. All I know is he's being spit upon, he's being, you know, speared, the crown of thorns is planted on his head. They're mocking him. He saved others. If you be the Christ, if you be the Christ, if you be the Christ. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What love so large, so free, so overflowing. The tide of divine love over matching and much more that of human hatred. That of human hatred. And you look around the world today and it and human hatred is it seems like it's worse and worse. That's okay. Love will win. It, 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 when this he's not it's not he's not gonna save the world. He's gonna destroy this world. But when we finally lay down this garment of this this robe, this this flesh, and we put on immortality, we will see, like we've never seen before, what happened at the cross. What happened at the cross? Well, thirdly, I think we see God's purpose to finish the work. God's purpose to finish the work. He's hanging on the... Nobody, they couldn't fully understand. The disciples couldn't fully understand. Those who did love him couldn't fully understand why he had to die. They still thought he was going to be the leader of the nation, national state. But he, God will not leave off this grand work because he says in Luke 24 uh, and in verse 49, he says, Behold, I, Christ says, I send the promise of my, of my Father upon you. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be in, uh, endued with the power from on high. That means he was successful. He was successful. He will not, God will not allow man's hatred or enmity to cut short the full work of redemption. It's not possible. It's not possible. Man will try to cause God to leave his son as he's on Calvary. But the sacrifice shall be slain and his soul, says Isaiah, shall be satisfied. He'll see his soul and it shall be satisfied. So the work will not be cut short. The altar will be erected. Christ, the sacrifice, will be placed in full view on that altar and he will be seen to be pure, holy, harmless, and undefiled, Hebrews. And not only that, but in Psalm 76 says, the wrath of man shall praise him. It's hard to believe it, but on this scene, this scene in history, this scene as we're reading in the scripture, God ordained it, God will see it through, and his people shall be saved. She shall, the, the, he will be successful and his church will ultimately hear that cry from the cross, it is finished. And everyone who names the name of Christ, it is finished. As horrible as this scene is, as horrible as man's inhumanity to man, God's purpose to finish the work will be and is accomplished. Fourthly, 
we see the divine end of his work, the divine end of his work. Look at the saved thief. That's proof right there. Sin abounding, grace much more abounding. This scene, this cross, this Christ is erected for the purpose of saving sinners. Christ's substitutionary accomplishment is uh, for the saving of his people from their sins, Matthew one twenty one. This he had to undergo. He had a baptism wherewith he had to be baptized, and he must he's a straight until it be accomplished. It is for today. Today, Jesus said that man, that man one thief said, "Lord, remember me," and he said, "Today, today, the divine end of his work." We see it. In in, uh, in in seed, the very first person to be saved after the cross, after he hung on the cross, was a criminal. <laughs> he shall save his people from their sins, the most vile, the most corrupt, the unworthy. There's one right there. We're right there with them, right there today is the day of salvation. Harden not your hearts. Hebrews 3.15 Today you will be with me. Wouldn't, what a, what words to hear. What words to hear from us today. From someone here this morning. Lord, remember me. And he here in the heart. Not an audible voice, but from the heart. Today you will be with me in glory. The first sinner after the cross was set up, as I said, was a criminal. Hallelujah. Christ goes home with a thief under his arms. A thief under his arms. What glory. What cleansing. What healing. What a blessing to sinners near and far. Oh, we are made nigh, says the word, by the blood of his cross. Thank God. Even in supposed human weakness, Christ hanging on the cross, nailed up there, in his feet, in his hands, in his wrists, nailed, yet he still can pluck a poor sinner and receive him unto glory. That's not weakness. That's not weakness at all. He still can pluck the brands from the burning. This is what is seen. This is what is observed. This is what is noted at Golgotha. Do we believe that? Do we believe that today? He's, is he a weak, e- effeminate Wimpy Jesus, or is he the all-powerful sovereign who, though he was hung on a cross by wicked hands, he'd still save to the uttermost. Them who come to him. Them who come to him. Well, verses, uh, the fifth point, the fifth thought, and the sixth thought, these last two, are very sober, very uh, serious. We see, fifthly, how near a person may be to hell and yet still be saved. How near a person may be to hell, and yet be saved. That one, that one thief, he's hanging up there, he's on the other side, he's on one side or the other of Christ. Guilty his whole life. How close to the very brink of hell, yet God in Christ snatched him out. Almost as it were one foot in the grave, as we say, he was vile and corrupt. Who can doubt Christ's ability to call, quicken, and save? He was pulled, he was plucked, 
and into paradise, even with the master. What free and sovereign grace is shown here. What majestic, redeeming love is seen and experienced here. Today, today with Christ. May we cry, Lord, save me ere I perish. Now, I'm not saying there should be, there's, we always say in our, amongst our circles, if a person is alive, there's hope. But don't wait. Don't, don't wait. Don't, don't presume upon his grace. Don't uh, presume upon his mercy that you'll be a recipient of his mercy because like Bruce said, your parents or, or your friends or your neighbors. No, today if you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart. Some person, one person made a comment, an old writer made a comment about this man being saved. He said there's, this man was saved. Deathbed confessions, people near death is very rare, but there is one. So we don't lose hope, but there is only one, so we don't presume. Oh, I can choose God's, there's more, it's more likely uh, King Agrippa, I'll hear this matter later, and he never did. That's more what happens. I'll do it. I'll do it when I get this. When I get my studies done. When I get in this job. This, if I could just get this, it may be too late. That may be too late. That may be your opportunity. It may be today. It may be soon. But it may not be. It will not never be on your time frame. It's on God's time frame. So don't put off today or tomorrow what you can do today. Redeem the times. Why? Because the, t- the times are, the days are evil. This world does not love God. This world has nothing for the believer. This one man said the Lord uses the goats to supply the needs of the sheep. And that's your job. If you get promoted at your job, the Lord blesses you at your job. He is using your job to bless you. Don't go run after your job. Don't go pursue. Don't go pursue other careers. Especially if it takes you away from the gospel. Follow after Christ now. This is what we have. We have an, an encouraging example here. But I must close with this example. Which, when I read this, you know, I wanted to leave it out. But it's in the text. It's in the text. Lastly, for us all here this today, we see astoundingly how near a person may be to Christ and yet not be saved. How near a person may be to Christ and yet not be saved. The other fellow is as near to Christ as his accomplice, yet he perished. He's just on one side and the other's on the other side. He's as near to Christ. From the very side of Christ, this man sinks into eternity lost. From the scene of the cross, we see one raising up to glory and the other sinking into perdition. Such was the case with Judas. He was near to Christ for years. He was with the other apostles. He heard the gospel. He taught the Old Testament scriptures. Yet he had not believing faith. He had not believing faith. Is this not fearful? Is this not fearful? Is it not fearful for our neighbors, our parents, our children? What a lesson for us to learn to look at this other This other thief, this other criminal, perished. What a sermon it speaks. What a warning it has. Hearing, studying, singing, and yet lost after all. Lost after all. 
I close. Let us take heed. Let's each one of us make sure it's not nearness, it's not religion, it's not mere contact with the word, nor taking the Lord's table, not the symbols. It's Christ. I must have Christ or I perish. Ralph Barnard, I've quoted this before, he said, people often hide from God in the church pew. Often hide from God in the church pew. I beseech you. I beseech myself. I encourage you. and I, encourage, I, I take this warning literally myself. Look at Christ and live. Look and live. Come to Christ. Believe on Him. And find rest. It's only by trusting and believing on Him. And I know He gives the ability, but... You're not, if you're, if you're scared, if you're worried, and you're fleeing to Christ, you're not worried about, you're just wanting to get, you're, you're wanting to get to that city of refuge. Because you know somebody, that the manslayer's behind you, the law's behind you, the scripture's behind you, the judge is behind you. May we look at this passage and thank God this was all in God's plan and all his, is in control he didn't. It didn't slip up. He didn't. It didn't. This. This didn't catch him off guard. God predestinated foreknowledge, and He did it for His people. Look to Christ and be saved. Bruce, would you close us?